Well, welcome to Grace this weekend. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if we have not met yet, I would love to meet you. And so make sure to say hi after the service if you have a second. I am excited to be uh, kind of leading us into this next step in our series, How to Live with Other Humans and Not Lose Your Mind. I love that title. And it's a question that we're all trying to answer, I think, right? So we would recognize that we each are imperfect people living with imperfect people. And we said, so it's, it's pretty inevitable that we are going to bump into each other. We're going to hurt one another along the way. It's not really a question of if that's going to happen. It's more a question of when. So when that happens, how do we do it, right? How do we live with each other in such a way that doesn't cause us to completely lose it? And that is a question we have been wrestling with over the last handful of weeks. Uh, Pastor Jeff would love to be here this weekend. He's at a family wedding, and so he'll be back with us next week. And he kind of laid out a foundation for us over the last few weeks and kind of helped us think through forgiveness and the reality of what it means to forgive and it kind of helped us to see how this all works. And one of the things that he said in quick review, let me walk it through. I put it in your notes. He said a few of these statements. He said, we cannot fully understand Christ without other people being central to our lives. He said the flip side is also true. We cannot fully understand other people without Christ being central to our lives. We said if we're going to figure out how to live with each other, Jesus has to show up in the equation, right? And that our relationship to God and our interaction with Jesus is going to have a direct effect on how we interact with other humans. And we would see Jesus tie these two relationships together when he was asked this question. In Matthew 22, it said this, a teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied like this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. He said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you wrapped up the Bible, what it means to be obedient to God we would see a connection, right, between loving God, interacting with Jesus, and loving other people. Somewhere in there lies the answer, and what we find is that as we get to understand what Jesus has done for us, that He has forgiven us, right, that He's made an offer of forgiveness of our offenses against Him, as we begin to understand that, that God loves us and He forgives us, He offers us to be made right with him, we begin to understand then how to extend that forgiveness to the people around us. And here's a handful of things that, G that uh, Jeff laid down for us about forgiveness. We said, right, if I am going to have a successful marriage, if I'm going to live with my coworkers or live with my fellow students or my coach or my teacher, we have to figure out forgiveness. Here's a few things we want to keep in mind about forgiveness. In quick review, here, let's look at these. Jeff said, forgiveness is not an act as much as it is a habit. The reality is, is that forgiveness is not something that I can visit one time, put it away, and then never return to it. Sometimes an offense needs to be revisited and habitually forgiven because more and more ramifications of that offense show up in my life. Right? Forgiveness is not, just a, not as an act as much as it is a habit. We said at the core, forgiveness is not about our relationship with other people. It's about a relationship with Christ. Certainly other people are involved, but we said at the deepest level, our relationship with Jesus is what this whole thing is about. Right? If I realize 
the offenses that I've committed against Jesus, and He's been willing to forgive those offenses in my life, forgiveness becomes not just a concept, all right, or something that I have to work my way into. It's something that I experience personally. And when I experience it, man, now I start to understand how this might look when someone offends me. Right? I can begin to learn how to forgive as I've been forgiven. Forgiveness is more about Jesus than it is about other people. And finally, forgiveness is an act of the will, not an impulse of emotion. Right? It's an act of the will, not an impulse of emotion. So it's going to be the rare day that we wake up and feel like forgiving. Right? Someone who's legitimately hurt us. It's not going to be very often that we have the emotions or the feelings of forgiveness. It is a decision that we make, right? It's a choice. It's an act of the will that we have to kind of engage in consciously and say, all right, I'm going to choose to do this even though I don't feel like doing it. It's an act of the will, not an impulse of emotion. These are kind of the baseline things that we're going to continue to revisit about forgiveness. And then what we said is we want to approach this conversation in this series and we want to look at forgiveness in layers, right, in different layers. And so uh, we actually have been deeply inspired by a guy named Bill Hybels. He wrote a book, Simplify, and he's done some great thinking on this that's kind of inspired even how we frame this series and specifically this conversation today. I want to make sure I give credit to Bill. He's done great work on this. And we looked at these different layers. We began to do that last week. Pastor Jeff or Sparky, that was fantastic. If you caught that message last week, I'll probably get fired because I said that. Any guys hiring? We can talk later. Be good. Right? Jeff actually played with Legos last week. I'm a little bit jealous about that. He, he talked about how to not sweat the small stuff. And, and if you missed that message, it was so helpful. Make sure to catch it online. You can do that through the app or graceohio.org. And he, he was talking about this outer layer of forgiveness and talking about how to not sweat the small stuff, right? And if we thought of this in a physical analogy, this would be kind of the bumps and bruises along the way, right? They're, they're not deep wounds. They don't put us in the emergency room. It's usually my own expectations that gets me hurt or frustrated. Jeff talked us through that, that kind of outer layer of forgiveness. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, right, kind of the the deepest layer, humanly speaking, would be this, would be life-altering injustices. Life-altering injustices. If you thought this physically, this is when I'm in the ICU, I'm on life support. Once I've received a wound like this, I've been hurt so deeply. These life-altering injustices we're going to talk about next week, this, this is when something horrific enters my life. Right? It sends me reeling. It doesn't even happen to all of us. Right? But for most of us, we're going to have one or two times in our life where we are so deeply affected by an event. Maybe it's a a drunk driver that, that causes the loss of life for one of our, our loved ones. Maybe it's a horrific accident that was caused by someone's negligence. It might be waking up to the fact that our spouse has been lying to us and been unfaithful for years and years, and now we're trying to figure out what's real and what, what is even my life about now. Those are the opposite ends of the spectrum. One's bumps and bruises. One is I'm in the ICU on life support. What we're going to talk about today is kind of this middle layer. 
We're going to call this middle layer legitimate hurt. Legitimate hurt. It's not something I can just blow off and show. It's just my expectations. It's not so deep, right, that it sends my entire life in a different direction. On a physical level, this, this is something that is a genuine wound. If I don't do something about it, if I don't treat that wound, it will become infected and it will damage and affect the entirety of my life. Right? It's real. It hurts. It's legitimate. It's not so life-altering that it puts me on life support. Man, it stings. So well, what would that look like? I think it looks something like this. Um, maybe it's when I trust a friend and I share a confidence with them. Right? And I maybe extend myself in relationship with them and they take in that confidence, and rather than holding that and being a trustful, trusted and faithful friend, they go and they, they, they openly kind of share it with a bunch of people and break confidence. Oh, that hurts. That's real. Maybe it's when a friend has lied to me, right? Maybe it's when I'm in business with, with a, a business partner, and we, we set on the same goals, and Greed overtook them, and they took advantage of me financially. And man, we broke our friendship, and they betrayed me, and they hurt me financially, and now our relationship is left broken. Uh, maybe it's someone talking about us behind our back, and we found out about it, and betrayal right sets in. Someone speaking to you and and hurting us at a deep, deep level. Legitimate wounds. Let me give you an example. I had this happen last night. So I came home tired, done with services, and I overheard my five-year-old asking my wife a question. She goes, hey, how did dad lose his hair? Right? How did dad lose his hair? Did it blow away? Don't laugh. This is hurtful to me, right? I sent her to her room. Get in there, child, you know. But seriously, I'm playing with it, but isn't it true that when we love someone and that they can say something that just cuts us to the heart, and now the relationship has tension and eventually distance, and now it can even be broken by something as simple as a word or a phrase. This is the category of of legitimate hurt. That's what we're talking about. And here's what, I, what I've seen in legitimate hurt in, in my life is there's a handful of ways to really approach that hurt, right? It, it's so real, and it, it affects us so deeply, we have to do something with it, right? We have to manage it. We have to cope with it somehow. And, and there's a handful of ways that I've seen that happen in my life or in the lives of the people that I've worked with And one way to deal with that or kind of cope with it is to dismiss hurt, to dismiss it. This is where we're really struck and wounded in a relationship, and we almost treat it like we can blow it off. We almost treat it like it's something small. So we'll look and we'll dismiss that. We'll ignore it. We'll deny it. And when someone hurts us, rather than being honest about the fact that we are wounded, Right, that we have been vulnerable, we'll look and say, you know what, I, I, I wasn't that close to that person anyway. I don't really care about them anyway. It didn't hurt me that, no, it's no big deal. And we'll, we'll slough it off and almost pretend that it doesn't affect us as deeply 
as it really does, if we're really honest. I saw this happen to me. So when, when I came to know Christ, uh, I was a young adult in college. I had a ton of forgiveness issues to work through. Right? When, I, when, I, right? when I accepted the Lord, I had a ton of people that I needed to forgive. I had a list of about 30 names. Right? I had kind of broken relationships at varying levels. Right? And so I had a ton of people to forgive, and I had even more people that I needed to ask their forgiveness of that I had hurt. So I felt like I worked through all that in a flurry of kind of working through relational rebuilding. Then a couple of years went by, made some new relationships, and, and I went through another season where I, I began to watch people that I trusted and loved kind of explode right in front of me. And I can't get into all the details of it, but here's what happened. As those explosions began to happen right in front of me, the shrapnel of people's sin and their breaking of confidence and their decisions was affecting me. And here's what was happening in my life is I wasn't openly admitting that that had hurt me. I don't know if I thought I was like above it or superhuman. Like I'm a pastor. This stuff shouldn't hurt so bad, you know. I should have it together enough that, that I'm not injured by people. I was dismissing it, and what I started to see is that there was, a, there was a growing gap between how I really felt and how I said I felt. So how I really felt is I was hurt, and I felt betrayed, and I was frustrated, and I was even angry, legitimately wounded. What I said was, I'm fine, it's no big deal. And what I realized in myself is when that gap exists because of dismissing pain, as big as that gap is, is there is room for bitterness to grow, kind of in that void. And I have personally found that dismissing hurt, ignoring it, denying it, it's just not helpful. And it's not healthy. It's, it, it's akin to just, just covering up a gaping wound and hoping that it goes away. We all know that doesn't work. Another way to cope with pain that I see is to be defined by it, to be defined by it. Right, it's the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm not ignoring pain or dismissing it. I'm taking it in so deeply that now this pain is defining me. Right? I become a victim because of it. and it, it becomes the reason why I'm not functioning in life. Well, this happened to me, and that's why I can't show up at work, or this is why I failed this semester, or I have to drop out of this sport, and, and this is starting to become my identity, is these things always happen to me, and I can't trust anybody, and I don't, and now I'm defined by pain. In either case, neither of these really lead to a place where the hurt is being dealt with. It leads to a place of bitterness. It leads to a place of further hurt. Here's what I found in myself at this level of pain, right? Legitimate hurt. That when I am hurt at this level, it's very tempting, this has been true for me, to retract in relationships. To not extend from the heart to people anymore because it just hurts too much, and being vulnerable and seeing that vulnerability taken advantage of causes me to retract and, and really to harden my heart. It's an unbelievable temptation. 
Listen to this. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. Profound quote. Listen along. I didn't put it in your notes. Here's what he said about this. He said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung, possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. Listen to this. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Right? I think if we're honest, we would all look at relationships and the possibility of hurt and to say, I know that this could come. It's a reality. I know that I could be hurt further by this, but to live without love really is not an option. So what do I do? Thank God Jesus has laid out for us another way to work through hurt where I can remain vulnerable, keep my heart soft, and still move towards a place of healing. This is where Jesus would call us to deal with our pain, to deal with our pain, to face it head on, right? to move towards it. And my friends, this is, in my experience, what we're about to talk about in the next handful of minutes is some of the hardest work that I've ever done. It's some of the hardest stuff that I've ever asked people to do. It's the work of forgiveness. The work of being honest about a broken relationship and, and how to move towards that. To not run away from it, not to be defined by it, but to actually deal with it and move towards it in a way that is healthy. Let's look at this. I'm going to show you some things that Jesus has said. We're going to start in the book of Matthew, and if, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible or newer translation of the Bible, grab one from underneath your chairs. You can open your smartphone or tablet and jump onto the app and read along with us. And as you're turning there, Matthew 18, we're going to be looking in verse 15. Let me set us up a little bit for what we're going to be looking at. Jesus is instructing his followers in this section of Scripture, and he's, he's talking to people who follow him and are committed to him, and he's, he's got, Jesus has a huge value on peace and harmony existing in relationships between his followers. So it would be a big deal to Jesus if there was a, a breakdown in relationship and that breakdown persisted. And so what he's doing is he's laying out a path for his followers on how to deal with hurt when it inevitably happens, right? Because becoming a Christ follower still doesn't, of course, make us perfect. We're still going to hurt one another. And Jesus cares very much that his followers can work through this. So we're going to look at five principles about how to deal with hurt. I want to make sure you understand that we're looking at it from the perspective of a Christ follower to a Christ follower. However, I think we're going to see there's incredible wisdom as we look at these principles 
really for any relationship, right? For any conflict, for any issue where I have unforgiveness, I think you'll find great help from what Jesus has to say in this set of Scripture. That being said, let's look at it. 18.15 in Matthew, Jesus says this. Jesus says, if your brother or your sister sins, go and point out their fault. Go and point out their fault. It's going to give us our first principle, and our first principle is this, is that I go. I go. And this is about as counterintuitive as you get, right? Jesus is saying, when someone hurts you, when someone wounds you, what I'm asking you to do, Jesus would say, is I'm asking you, when you are hurt, to not dismiss that hurt. Don't pretend like it didn't happen. Don't pretend like that's not a big deal. Don't run and hide from that. Don't sit and wait for your offender, the person who's wronged you, to come and apologize to you. I want you to be the bigger person. I want you to take initiative, and I want you to go to them. You go. This is when someone sins against you and wants you to do that. You need to understand as you read this passage, when it says if your brother or sister sins, what's implied is that that's a relational sin, that it's a sin against you that affects you. And when that happens, we are to be the one that takes initiative and we go. Difficult to do, unbelievably important. Jesus would say this is not to sit. It's something that we need to take action on. We need to go. He would move the conversation further. Not only are we to go, here's our next principle, we are to go alone. We're to go alone. Listen to how the verse progresses. If your brother or sister sins, implied that it's against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Just between the two of you. So I go alone. When someone sins against me, I am to keep the circle of that conversation very small. It's to stay between the two of us. And I want to recognize that there are few things more tempting in life when we are hurt than to broaden that circle out to many, many other people. Right? If I've been lied to or if I've been betrayed or if I've been... It's very tempting to go and communicate that hurt to family, to friends, to Facebook, to social media, and begin to build a consensus about how terrible this person is that's just hurt me. It's just kind of human nature to need to communicate about that. Jesus is going to say, I want you to resist that temptation. I want you to go, and not only do I want you to go, I want you to go alone. I want you to keep that circle close. Some of us are thinking, well, I, I kind of need to process this thing with somebody what am I supposed to do about that? I, I need to talk it through. One of the things that's, I think, incredibly important and probably underutilized, this has been true in my life, when I am hurt, there's an unbelievable opportunity to bring that hurt directly to God. Right? He is our Father. And did you know that when we are hurt, that God is longing to hear kind of the state and the status of our hearts. He, he wants to know what's going on inside of us. He, he wants to know when we're betrayed, and he wants to communicate with us. 
I was uh, watching my son go through a conflict this past year. He was kind of working through something with a friend. Now, he's eight, right? So it's an eight-year-old conflict. But to him, it was real, man. You know, and he was in a situation where he's kind of being bullied and trying to figure out how to manage that. It's appropriate in his age to communicate that to his dad, and I wanted him to do that. And I would be heartbroken if my son didn't feel that he could talk that through with me. If he felt like he had to manage it on his own independently, that would be heartbreaking to me. God, our Father, longs for us to manage this kind of with him. Let me give you an example of this real quick. I didn't put it in your notes, but you can jot it down real quick. I, I want to read you this portion of a psalm. This is Psalm 143, verses 1 through 4. Here's an example of someone who is pouring their heart out to God when they've been hurt, when they've been legitimately wounded. And this is David. This is a, this is a guy who's a man's man. He's a warrior. He's a fighter. He's a general, and he's a king. I want you to hear his transparency. Listen to his relationship with God. Here's what he would say. Verse 1, 143 of the Psalms. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. He says, do not bring your servant into judgment for no one living is righteous before you. He's going to say, nobody's perfect, God. Right? Don't, don't judge me. I need you. Listen to verse 3. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. We wouldn't use that language. The equivalent of that today is a prayer that looks like this. I love this. It's from a, a, a man's man here, right? Being extremely vulnerable with his God, saying, God, I'm lost. I'm exhausted. I need your help. God, I'm hurt. I'm crushed, and I don't know what to do. God, save me from this. Rescue me. That's the kind of relationship God is wanting to have with us. Watch how this works. When I go to God instead of Facebook or, or family or friends, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to gain allegiance against a person and make war with them, I take my offense to God. Now what happens is I am emotionally filled up, and now I'm strong enough to contain that offense and keep it between me and the person. Now I'm able to go alone. And as I interact with God, my perspective is shifted, and I start to get into the right place. I can start to do what Jesus is asking me to do. I go alone. Not only do I go, not only do I go alone, Jesus would lead us farther into the conversation, and I go out of love is the third one. I go out of love. See how this plays out in the last part of 15. It says, if they listen to you, you've won them over. If, you listen, if they listen to you, you've won them over. So Jesus is going to say, we are to go out of love in this conversation. We're not going to go rub their nose in it. We're not going so they hear us and we tell them how it's going to be. Jesus is saying, and what's implied here is a lot. 
He's saying when you show up and you show up alone and you take initiative and you're sitting down with, with your brother or your sister, or your friend, this broken relationship, I want you to be able to show up and long to see them won over, the, to see restoration in your relationship. Now let me talk this through because at first glance, we're not quite ready to do this, at least I'm not, right? When I'm hurt, but the last thing I want to do is restore that relationship. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. So if I'm, before I'm ready to show up and have that conversation with someone out of love, i got to back it up a step. And here, I believe, is where forgiveness tends to actually happen. Before I care about you, before I care about a relationship getting fixed, before I want what's best for you, i got to back up and look at the offense. And between me and Jesus, I need to deal with that and I need to make a decision, an act of the will to forgive from the heart. You say, what does that look like? I think it looks something like this. I think it looks like looking at the offender, right? The person who sinned against me and saying, Jesus, I have sinned against you in the same ways. You have forgiven me. God, help me to forgive this person. And it might look like a prayer like this. God, I choose to forgive, insert person's name, for the offense, the lie, the betrayal, the heartbreak, whatever it was, it made me feel X, Y, and Z. Something like that. Somewhere in there, making the decision to actually forgive. When I actually forgive from the heart, I'm now opened up to be able to see that person how God sees them. I'm able to want God's best in their life. Here's a great litmus test to see if I'm ready to sit down with someone or not. When I think about our broken relationship, not my wound, the broken relationship, does it break my heart? Does it make me sad? If at the end of this conversation, if our relationship isn't healed, would that bother me? Because if, if I can't say yes to those questions, I've got to wrangle with my heart and get it to the place where I'm almost showing up with tears in my eyes about the fact that our relationship is broken and that my friend is in a bad place because they've hurt me. Is this making sense? I go out of love. It's the motivation that would drive me. Now, most of the time, if we go and we go alone and we go out of love, think about it, this is going to be effective. Most of the time, it's going to work. I think back to, to somebody that did this in my life when I was a, a newer follower of Jesus. Somebody uh, close to me came up to me. They pulled me aside. They did it privately, one-on-one. -on -one. They did it gently with humility. They looked me in the eye and said, Ryan, you're hurting people. I love you, man. But you're hurting people. You're coming off like a judgmental jerk, and you're sounding harsh, and your zeal for Jesus sounds like anger. You're hurting me, and you're hurting other people. I am so glad that that man had that conversation with me.
And I was a little taken aback at first, but that conversation changed my life. It healed our relationship, and I was able to own my offenses against him and other people, and it needed to happen. And the vast majority of times that we approach this the way that Jesus is laying it out, it's going to be effective. Now, you ask, what if it doesn't work? What happens then? Great question. Jesus lays out the path forward specifically for people who are Christ followers, right? So if it's not a Christ follower, this doesn't apply. Verse 16 says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. It says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. If I've done all these things and I'm interacting with a Christ follower. Here at Grace, the way we would approach that is, is that if you've done all that you can do to try to win that relationship, you've forgiven from the heart, you're doing it the way Jesus laid out, is that you would talk to your life group leader about how to move forward with it. Okay? And they would help you to take the next steps. Don't worry about telling it to do the church or doing all these other things. And by the way, treating them as you would a pagan or tax collector simply means this. We treat them as people that don't yet know Jesus we treat them as someone that we would treat with kindness and love and respect. Okay. Most of the time it will work. Sometimes it doesn't. Here's the path forward if needed. Now Jesus is going to turn up the heat on this conversation a little bit, and he's going to add urgency. Flip over with me a couple pages to the left to Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to see this verse let me read it and we'll talk about it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus is going to say, you're doing church. You're out serving, right? You're, you're doing things for God, and all of a sudden, this broken relationship comes to your mind, what I want you to do is stop what you're doing, and you need to go now. It's the next principle. See, for Jesus, a broken relationship is an on-fire priority for Jesus. It's not no big deal, right? It's a huge thing to have a broken relationship and to have that undealt with. To have that open wound is huge for Jesus. He's going to say, you need to deal with that now. Like get up and leave church and go mend that broken relationship is kind of what Jesus is saying here. Not only do I go, not only do I go alone, I've got to love. I go now. I deal with this thing with urgency. Guys, this is how this tends to work for me. When I'm sitting where you're sitting and someone's talking to me about forgiveness and broken relationships, what tends to happen to me is I will have a, a, I'm a visual person, so I usually have someone's face pop into my head. Right? Or maybe it's a name that will pop into my head. Remember, we're talking about legitimate hurt. We're not talking about life-altering injustice, but if, if there is an, a name or two or a face or two that right now is popping into your mind. 
Let me help you understand what that is. That is the Holy Spirit bringing to our minds a relationship that we need to deal with, hurt that we need to deal with. It's not a coincidence. It's not a fluke. It's God communicating with us and leading us to a place that we would deal with that hurt and to deal with it now. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you have a name or a couple names that are popping into your mind, would you write those down real quick? Jot them in, in, into your app or your whatever you're taking notes with. Would you just make a note and say, I want to admit that this person's in my head right now. God, I, I recognize that you're doing that. I go now. I make the priorities that Jesus has of forgiving and restoring broken relationships. I make those priorities my priorities, and this thing gets on fire. I need to deal with it immediately. Now, some of us might be asking, what if we go through this, this whole thing and it still doesn't work? First of all, I would say it's the wrong question, right? Because most of the work that we're talking about is happening within our own hearts, right? If I go and I go alone and I've forgiven and I can approach somebody out of love, I am being obedient to God. If I've made that a priority to pursue it with urgency and to go now and I've done all that I know how to do, Paul would show us this in Romans chapter 12 that it's not always possible to restore a relationship. Let me show you this. Romans 12, 18 says it this way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If I've done all that Jesus has laid out, I've been obedient in that way, I've done the heart work, right, of forgiving, I've moved it all the way through, the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of any responsibility to, to... make that person restore their relationship with me. It's not how it works. We can't make someone restore relationship with us. I'm going to release the obligation of that. I've done all that I know how to do. I know all, I've done all that God has asked me to do. I'm going to simply let go. And in letting go, however, we have to keep our hearts open to the possibility that one day that person might come back and might be ready to make peace again. But there's nothing left for me to do but pray and keep an open heart. I let go of it. Now, where do we land this conversation? As I think we have to look at the reality that we are going to be hurt. And if we're honest about that, we, we need to begin to be good at, at dealing with that hurt. I don't want to dismiss it. It's an opportunity for bitterness. I don't want to be defined by it. It's going to be an opportunity for anger and for depression to grow. I want to deal with it. As if we're looking at hurt in our lives and we're looking at dealing with it, if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus did for us. 
because he led the way in this, right? So, so Jesus would, from heaven, look at us and look at our offenses towards him, right? The Bible would say that we are enemies at, towards God. We have sinned against him in our hearts and our actions. And the Bible said that when we were his enemies, he loved us. So Jesus would be the one that would say, I'll go. And I'll, I'll go to earth. And I will go alone. And I will come out of love. Right? The Bible would say that Jesus did not come to judge. He didn't come with wrath. He came with compassion. He looked at people and he saw us as sheep without a shepherd. He loved us. Right? He came with urgency, and then do you know what he does is he, he doesn't force us into relationship. He doesn't force us to accept the forgiveness that he died to give us. He kind of lets it go and puts the ball in our court. If you don't yet know Jesus today, this whole thing has to start there recognizing that if I have not yet experienced forgiveness, if I haven't said yes to the forgiveness that Jesus died to offer me, I'm not going to really understand how to extend that forgiveness to the people around me. Say, what do I do? Here's how it worked for me. 19 years old, I recognized I had sinned against God in all kinds of ways, done lots of things I'm not proud of. I said, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I recognize that you came, Jesus. You, you lived a perfect life, and then counterintuitively, you offered your perfect life to pay for my imperfect life. You died for my sinfulness. I saw the decision to accept that forgiveness, to respond to what Jesus was offering me. If you've never made that decision Guys, make that call now. You start to understand how to forgive as you have been forgiven. Guys, for the rest of us, we got to work really hard to be honest about this thing. If during this conversation, faces, names, people were coming to your mind, if you thought, and I haven't talked to that person in a long time. It might be from 20 years ago. If you look at your history and there's some broken relationships back there, there's some offenses that if I was really honest, I would say were never really dealt with. Guys, would you take action on that now? Would you make the priorities that Jesus sets our priorities? We follow him. The same path that Jesus laid out is the one that we walk. He did this before we did. We go, we go alone, we go out of love, and we have to go now. In a minute, I'm going to have the band come out. They're going to lead us in some time of reflection. If there were names and faces that came up, would you respond to that? Literally, if you can grab your phone and just shoot a text message. 
just take a little bit of action. Hey, can we meet sometime in, in the next few weeks? I'll reach out. Hey, no, we haven't talked for a while, but I got something I want to talk to you about. What, whatever. Will you take action on it? Don't let it sit. As this time plays out, the opportunity for bitterness and for anger to grow and to affect us deeply is unbelievable. It would break God's heart that, that we would have a broken relationship that we wouldn't care to deal with. As the opportunity for freedom is right here. Would you respond to Jesus and the forgiveness he offers us? Let me pray for us. Father, I say thank you today for being the one that has taken all of the initiative in our lives. Lord, you came to us. You fought for our hearts, motivated by love, even when we were your enemies. God, would you give us courage today to be honest about the unforgiveness or the broken relationships that exist in our lives. This is hard work. I ask that you would empower us and you would give us your love and your courage and your strength to admit that we're hurt to forgive from the heart, and then to go out of love. Even in the next few minutes, Lord, we bring these names to mind and draw us to action. Lord, this has to move into the, the real place where relationships play out. Lord, give us courage to follow you in forgiving as we've been forgiven. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.